placemakers dedicated to building community at scale in cities across America in ways that are responsible, equitable, and transformational. Because this is a place of learning, this is a place of teaching, this is a place especially of community and coming together. live and direct, I want to bring to you Miss Tamara Lucas. As we continue to round out what the tech ecosystem is going to be, I would like to warmly introduce Mr. Corey Bailey. And for us down home, who has an office right here on our property, who has helped us with many things in the tech ecosystem and beyond for entrepreneurs, I'd like to welcome to the stage the owner and founder of Conscious Ventures Lab, Mr. Jeff Cherry. And for real, y'all, the real reason why you're here tonight, you didn't know who was going to be on the panel and who cared. We are really here tonight to see the man with the plan, okay? The man with the voice, the owner, the visionary of the No Picks After Dark podcast, Mr. Aaron Dante. Thank you. 
What's up? What's up, folks? What's going on? You guys are too quiet out here. We are not at a funeral. We are not at a funeral right now. Y'all were, were yelling a lot more last week and the Ravens was playing. Come on now. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I don't care, though. Ah, oh, I got, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Everybody's mic's on. First, I want to thank the team from the Baltimore Peninsula for making this happen this evening. Um, they, we, they came with a vision, and they're like, Aaron, let's make it happen. Let's do six shows here. So you were in episode two of the six shows, and I'm very excited to bring this team on. Bring the, this, this group right here is one of the best of the best in Baltimore. And I was like, we're going to make sure everybody has a great night. So thank you guys for showing up. Thank you to the DJ playing Smooth Sounds. Give it up for DJ. The tech team. Got the video team, Sonia, the whole, I think everybody for here. So let's, let's get into it. Everybody want to introduce themselves left to right and what they do? Go ahead. I'm going to kick it off. Hello, everyone. First of all, Aaron, I'm so proud of you. Look thank at you. this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We did thank it, you. Joe. All right, so we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. I'm Dr. Samira Lucas. I am the CEO of the Cube Cowork, which is the largest Black woman-owned co-working space in the United States. <laughs> I am also an assistant professor at the Coppin State University, <laughs> and I am the. Er, um, the growth venture advisor for Techco for our Urban Business Innovation Initiative. That's a whole. I have a lot, a, whole, of a lot of titles. <laughs> also, want to congratulate Aaron. This has been two years in the making for us to get this panel together and talk about some exciting stuff that's happening in tech and entrepreneurship in Baltimore. So I appreciate you for bringing this together, brother. My name is Corey Bailey. I'm the CEO of Upsurge Baltimore. Uh, we are a nonprofit professional ecosystem building organization uh, tasked with building the tech ecosystem in Baltimore so that um, Baltimore can be put on the map as a tech hub. And so I'm excited to talk to you guys about some of the stuff that's happening uh, in Baltimore. And a big part of that is my friend to my left, your right, Jeff Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'm just happy to be here with uh, people I've known for a long time, good friends, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm glad I answered that, uh, that email during my honeymoon. <laughs> right. um, so, yeah, my name is Jeff Cherry. Um, I am the uh, founder and CEO of a thing called the Conscious Venture Lab that is a program of a not-for-profit I run called the Novella Center for Entrepreneurship. It's uh, an uh, accelerator uh, focused on uh, changing the way we think about the relationship of uh, capitalism and society, um, working with uh, ideas that are breaking down barriers to access, and doing a better job uh, than most, we hope, of getting into um, communities of underrepresented founders. I also run a, a venture capital fund here uh, called the Conscious Venture Fund. We're on our second fund. We've got about $20 million on the management. Um, uh, if you know anything about the venture capital space, about 2% of all dollars goes to minority or female founders. Uh, we've invested about 75% of the capital we've raised uh, over the last 10 years in the underrepresented founders. So, um, I'm happy to be here. Thanks. All right, we're going to get started because uh, I know you guys want to 
getting some conversations. So when I think about Baltimore and tech, I didn't know Baltimore had a tech community until two years ago. I really didn't know anything about it. Tell us what you guys think about the Baltimore tech community when it first comes to your mind, left or right. So I will say that it's definitely, it has definitely evolved over time, which is great. Um, I think, you know, 10 years ago, when I think about when I first started in this entrepreneurship world in Baltimore, all of the resources and the ecosystem didn't exist. Um, and so we spent a lot of time just trying to figure out like pockets of like, okay, we have our retail entrepreneurs here or you know we have our tech entrepreneurs here and how do we kind of provide those resources to everyone um, needed to thrive especially minority entrepreneurs and so i think it has definitely evolved in a space where um there are there's a strong ecosystem that tech entrepreneurs can kind of maneuver through to really start and scale so when I think about tech, I, I like to start with some, some facts, right? So for, for two years in a row now, Baltimore has outperformed the rest of the nation in venture funding. People... That's something to be happy about. But at the same time, to Jeff's point, founders that represent under, underrepresented communities and what we like to call underestimated founders, um, don't traditionally get access to that capital. And, and my argument is that Baltimore, by nature, has been an underestimated city, right? So you, can, you could clap for that or not, but we don't do a great job of talking about the really good things that are happening in this city. And there's historical reasons about behind that, um, and, and there's sort of systems behind why that is the case. But my argument is Baltimore is thriving in tech. Not everyone is yet. And our, and our opportunity is to make sure that any innovator, any entrepreneur that wants to start a tech company has the same opportunity to com successfully commercialize their idea as any other entrepreneur in Baltimore. And so we believe that we can capitalize on the momentum of the last few years to really create for us what, what we would call the first Equitech city in the world. And that is a city that, that really does anchor itself on diverse leaders like you see in this room, systems and practices that give everyone the opportunity to, to have that same um, success rate, and a culture of belonging in tech, which we know outside of the major tech hubs, everybody else in America doesn't often see themselves in the tech economy and so we want to make sure that baltimore is the first place that from day one when you step in you're welcomed into the community and that you feel like you belong in tech yeah i want i want to um tie into something that both corey and dr lucas said so 10 years ago is when i came here and, and dr lucas and i have known each other for almost that long and when i first got here i thought you know there was a lot going on but like you said, it wasn't really an ecosystem yet. It was a collection of disconnected assets. And over the last, I'd say, six or seven years, that ecosystem started to coalesce. Um, more of us are connected to each other, trying to help out each other, kind of collaborate. And I think that one of the things that, uh, that makes Baltimore unique, so I, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, um, so, um, I, you know, I chose to be here. I love my city, but I've chosen to be in Baltimore. And one of the reasons why, um, what makes Baltimore unique is something that Corey sort of alluded to a little bit, but 
Um, I just came back from San Francisco. We're doing some work out there. Um, we've been in Austin together. We've been out there. And one thing that you find here, if you're an entrepreneur and you need something, it takes just a little bit of initiative because anyone will take your call. And that's the truth. And if you don't know, if you need to talk to someone and you don't know them, you're probably one or two introductions away. And if you get to Dr. Lucas or to Corey or myself or lots of other people in here, Siobhan Cherry, lots of people in here who are in that ecosystem and you say, I need to talk to so-and-so, we'll find a way to make that happen. That doesn't happen everywhere. And like I said, I love New York, I love you know, my city, and there's a lot going on in a lot of other ecosystems, but that's really, really unique about Baltimore and places like Baltimore. So that's one of the things that always comes to mind for me is that how connected we're becoming and how much people are willing to help. So let's follow up with the big award <clears throat> that you guys, the Baltimore's won. Um, a representative from GBC was at the White House. Anybody want to take command on that? Because I think some of the audience may not know about this, about what's been happening. If you're not in the tech scene, go ahead, please, go ahead. Yeah, so if you don't know what Aaron is, is talking about, the EDA has uh, issued a, a federal award program called the Tech Hubs. So in, in the interest of both um, economic competitiveness, national security, things of that nature, uh, the federal government has an award to establish up to 10 new tech hubs in the United States outside of your traditional tech hubs. Jeff mentioned Silicon Valley in the Bay Area. You've got Boston, New York, and others. So um, over 400 submissions from different cities and locations around the country and 38 different metropolitan statistical areas or MSAs were awarded a tech hubs designation after phase one, and Baltimore was one of those tech hubs that was designated. I'll go on to say that for the last six months since that announcement, um, a consortium of us have all been meeting um, around the, the, the federal, um, excuse me, phase two proposal. Jeff is one of the chairs of that committee. Um, Upsurge is leading one of the work groups around acceleration and, and venture. Um, and it has been a truly collaborative exercise in what Jeff said. Everyone in the ecosystem providing their best assets, resources, people um, to establish um, some different projects and priorities for our ecosystem over the next three to five years that will have impact on the Baltimore MSA for the next 10 years. And I argue this. Just the forcing mechanism for bringing us all together, submitting that one proposal and winning it, we don't stop there, we continue the work, and we need partnership, public and private partnership, both from our city and state government leaders, from our private sector, to bring this to life. And the people in this room that you see here are ultimately gonna be the innovators, the creators, the entrepreneurs, support organizations, the workforce development, um, folks that were, are going to implement this strategy. And so that train has left the station. Baltimore is a tech hub, so we, we're not going back from here. Um, yeah, the only thing I would add to that is that, you know, Corey alluded to, you know, look around the room. I think that, you know, for the three of us, everything that we do really is for those of you in the audience who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs, right? And I think that one of the things that I've been trying to do as, you know, in the Tech Hub as a co-chair is just to make sure we don't forget that, 
because it's really not about us, it's about you. It's about how do we create more entrepreneurs in Baltimore and support you. So this has really happened. This is something that's going on. I know Dr. Lucas has been working on this for a really, really long time and a good, doing a good job at it too. Yeah, I think, I mean, I can't add to what Corey said, but I know from my, the work that I'm doing to support the tech hubs um, outside of all of the amazing work that they're doing is really building up the workforce so that when those tech companies come to Baltimore, that they're going to want to stay because we have the workforce here in order to support those um to support those entrepreneurs. And we're doing a lot of work with that at Coppin um, to really develop the, our students in the community around us to be able to support that. So again, it's not, the work is not about me or us, it's about making sure that those that are in this room and beyond this room that desire to be successful from a tech entrepreneur or a traditional entrepreneur that you guys have exactly what you need to be successful and a lot of that comes with human capital and we hear that a lot like yeah we have these great companies and these great tech businesses but we don't have the human capital to support it and we do um, we just need to make sure we do a great job with connecting that talent with the availability of jobs that's out here when you guys go out of town and you tour I know you went to Austin and you've been to South by Southwest and whatnot when you guys tell them you're from Baltimore and you're doing tech and you're entrepreneurs, what's the first thing that comes out? And then how does that change their reception afterwards? Give us a background. Like behind well, first of all, when you go anywhere, you say you're from Baltimore. They're like, oh, The Wire. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like, no, actually. <laughs> and so, you know, I think a lot of people are like Baltimore it's a very, I'm born and raised in Baltimore, if y'all don't know. I'm from the real West Baltimore. <laughs> you know, we have our transplants up here, but I'm from the real Baltimore, okay? And so, you know, I try to make sure that I represent our city in a way where people, that, that view of the wire, you know, or the riots that happen, it's like, oh, you're from Baltimore and you guys are doing this work? And I'm like, yeah, we got some amazing things that's going on in Baltimore. And I mean, behind the scenes, you guys just don't know, so many people want to invest here and they want to strategically place their businesses or real estate here. And so we know that there's some value here in Baltimore. And so I try to tell that story of, you know, we have so much opportunity for people to grow companies here, to build, and we have those resources. And it's very, like Jeff said, it's very simple to tap into it. I mean, I get emails all the time and I'm like, well, how did they find, you know, how did they find me? But it's very simple. Like, it's not that hard. And so I really try to encourage people like, yeah, come and see what it's all about so that you can see a different view of that. Right. And I do think we have to do a better job with telling the positive side of Baltimore and letting leaders like myself and those that are in the room you know, shine and say, yeah, we've built, I've built the largest black women-owned co-working space in the United States here in Baltimore, right? So, you know, letting them know that this, these things exist and this opportunities does exist. Like, you can't come in and just like, you know, take over, but we here. <laughs> Dr. Lucas is being modest, and I know how they find you. You got like three email addresses. <laughs> you got so many titles. <laughs> But, but what she's saying is right. Like Baltimore is just a traditionally underestimated city, right? And 
She sat on a panel um, around venture funding uh, this November out in Austin for Afrotech and got on the panel, talked about the opportunity to, to build and invest in Baltimore. Um, we were there with the contingent from the state of Maryland, some of our state representatives and, and folks from commerce and, and other organizations. So when we show up and when we represent the way that she did on that panel and people hear the opportunity and what's happening in Baltimore, I would say that they're pleasantly surprised. So I, I, would, just, I would argue that Baltimore is the, the last remaining uncut diamond on the East Coast, right? Like perfectly positioned between our, our federal government and DC and industry up in New York, Boston, Philadelphia, um, connectivity to the mid-Atlantic region, um, say Richmond all the way up, in, uh, up to uh, New York, um, access to the, the Baltimore, BWI is one of my favorite airports. I don't want to buy a Reagan Dulles, give me BWI every day. Right, and, and so I, I just, Port City, like on the I-95 corridor, Amtrak line runs up and down, like you telling me that Baltimore is not ready to take advantage of all of those assets, and I tell you it is. And people are starting to recognize that. When we go to these tech conferences to show up the way that we do, there's no longer whispers and rumblings about what's happening in Baltimore. People are paying attention and saying like, I gotta connect to what's happening there. And Jeff's point is right. What we're, what we're getting right is that connectivity. Dr. Lucas and I were in front of a much smaller audience of, of future angel investors at Loyola. Um, shout out to Wendy Bolger, who I know is here, who runs the, the Simon Center for Entrepreneurship there. We are doing our part to educate the entire generations of tech funders, founders, innovators, workers, and that connectivity is our secret sauce. It's what we do well, and the culture that we're creating because of it is gonna help us um, really accelerate and, and get this train moving. You know, in an interesting way, so I, as Dr. Lucas says, I'm a transplant, but my mom grew up in Cherry Hill, so I do have to know some about Baltimore, but in an interesting way, I use that transplant idea as, as a way to get people engaged because like when I go, look, I, I love Manhattan, but everybody knows that the real New Yorkers are from Queens. <laughs> when I go home and talk to my friends and they're like, what's Baltimore like? And we hear it's like Brooklyn. I'm like, no, it ain't like Brooklyn. It's actually like Queens. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you live uh, in Fells Point or Federal Hill, you can walk to the football game, you walk to the baseball game, you're right on the water, right? Um, you got one of the nicest airports in the country, if not in the world, right? From my apartment, from my house, I could be at the airport in 18 minutes. How long does it take you to get to the airport in New York City? And I could jump on Amtrak and be in DC or Boston uh, in, in no time, and the first thing is, the other part of this is, it's I got a great housing stock, it's got great building stocks, and of all the places you want to live on the East Coast, what's the most affordable? So I'm like, there's so, there's so many great things to talk about when you start talking about Baltimore. So you get past the wire thing pretty quickly and start talking about the other things, and people are like, really? I gotta come check that out. And I just wanna add this. People wanna be from Baltimore so bad. You'll hear someone say, I'll meet someone, they're like, oh, you're from Baltimore, me too? And I'm like, oh, where? Because you, what high school you went to? You know, that's our favorite question if you're from Baltimore. And then they'll say something in PG County, and I'm like, that's not Baltimore. Like, 
you're not. But I also want to make it clear that we also have two of the best HBCUs here in Baltimore City. One may be better than the other, we, you know, but, you know, I try to make sure I highlight that as well because, you know, H, there's a, a there's a huge light on HBCUs now and you know the pipeline of students that are coming out with a talent that's coming out of H, out of HBCUs and listen I'm sorry my daughter has 107 options when choosing a college and they're all HBCUs that's the only thing that mommy is paying for and so when I talk about that I really like people to understand the the excellence that's coming out of that especially this month it's black history month I had to let that know Fox, Fox. so let's oh. So let's talk about collaboration and community in the tech scene. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's one of my big themes. I've been doing a lot of podcasts about community. What's about community, collaboration? Tell us, give us a behind the scenes of how you guys collaborate. We may not see it out open, but I think community is important and collaboration is important to make it work. So, so you're hosting this podcast at Equitech Tuesday. Right. Yeah. This is, this is the 135th in a row, week that we have hosted Equitech Tuesday. So since, that's, that's worthy of clapping about. And I'll say that it started with a very small group of people, all who really cared about the future of Baltimore, all who were innovating in different ways. We had creative community folks there, folks like Dee Watkins and Devin Allen and Kondwani Fidel. We had folks from universities that were doing, you know, really great work with student entrepreneurs and innovators. And most importantly, we had founders, folks who were taking the risks, stepping out on, on their own sort of expertise and faith and saying, I have an idea, I have a technology, I have a platform that no one else can bring to life, but I need help from my community to, to make that happen. And so you'll hear stories about people who found their chief technical officer at Equitech Tuesday, people who found their next intern at Equitech Tuesday, folks who plugged into some of the internship programs and workforce development programs to build their small but now growing teams at Equitech Tuesday. And we need more of that activity. You've got things like Code and, Code and Coffee. You've got things like you know, Impact Hub that does their work. We need all of that activity within the tech community to grow. And we need the communities that are touching those communities like Baltimore Young Professionals, like other organizing groups, to connect and collaborate so that we can have more of that activity, more, 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 more density, more activity, more focus, more energy, more specificity, and it's happening. All of that community building, starting with, because the community will tell you if you're getting it right or if you're getting it wrong. The community will tell you if you're leaving people out or if you're welcoming people in. The community will tell you if what you're doing is helping them take steps forward staying in place or not at all. And so you have to learn from all of that feedback and continue to iterate on bringing the community together in ways that move the city forward and that move the tech community forward. Oh, so behind the scenes, I'll say from a collaboration, we do a lot behind the scenes to make sure that we're deploying resources and support intentionally. And so if anybody knows me in a room, y'all know I, I am a disruptor. This is why I'm an entrepreneur, because I don't follow instructions. Um, and I am very adamant about making sure that things are equitable, right? 
and my colleagues know, like, I'm going to, we can fuss about something behind the scenes and then it's like, all right, let's take that head off and move forward, right? But they know that it's all coming from a place where I'm truly I'm passionate about making sure that especially people that look like me, that come from areas like me, really do get the resources and support that they actually need. There are opportunities that are always coming or even, um, you know, things that we think about that we can work together on to make sure that it's not just an upsurge thing. It's not just a tech code thing. It's not just a conscious venture lab thing, but it's an ecosystem thing, right? And so we do work together a lot on that. Um, my role at Techco is specifically to connect our founders to our partners and the opportunities that they have there. And I see some of the founders in here. We got Derek and John, Ediola, Shauna, right? And they know that they, they call Dr. Lucas. I'm going to be like, hey, let me make a phone call. Let me connect you because this, you know, they're not going to know about every resource that's out there, but it's important for us to make sure that we're communicating with one another to know, hey, this opportunity is coming down the line. Do you have any founders for this or let, which, what do you guys think about this? And I think we did a really good job with collaborating for um, Afrotech, right? That was a pivotal moment, I think, for me last year to see how as an ecosystem we could really get together and make some things shake. And while we may not agree on every single thing and agree on how things are executed, the important part is we were able to bring some of our founders, um, you know, to this space and they were able to get resources and money and all types of connections because of us working together. And I do want to encourage people, you use these type of opportunities to really connect and figure out how you can work smarter and not harder. Because if you constantly are thinking about what you need and that's it, you're that like you're never going to get to the next step. And so it's really important to say, hey, Derek from Flick, I'm putting him on the spot because he's right here. Like, how can how can you support Shauna and how can Shauna support you? Because you both have different resources that you've been able to access and knowledge that you can share so i do encourage people to really do better with collaborating because one of the things that they say about baltimore and we know this is that we're a city of crabs in a barrel and we have to change that narrative and i am very adamant about changing that yeah just quickly um on that last point i think that you know that's one of the things that makes this work it's this it's not only that we're, you know, that we understand we have to collaborate, but it's a mentality about doing it, right? Because I've been in other ecosystems, and as Dr. Lucas said, we fuss with each other behind the scenes, but we, we come to the table and saying, okay, well, maybe I was wrong, or maybe I see a different way to do it. And the reason we do that is because we know that together we can make the ecosystem better. We can't do it on our own. So I think there's a mentality that's happening, particularly in the you know in the uh, entrepreneurship startup um, support opportunity you know organizations that are they're willing to take a look in the mirror if someone says hey maybe we should do this a different way that collectively we're all willing to take a look in the mirror and say you know what that might be a better way forward it's not just about me it's about us so I think there's a mentality that's happening here that's really unique. I love it. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put that collaboration into motion right now. We're also putting a group together for South by Southwest. We've got about 25 people from Maryland that are already telling us that they're attending. So if you're coming to South by, let us know so we can add you to the fun. Got a lot going on out there. <laughs> How many people in this audience have ever been to Equitech Tuesday? Come raise your hand. How many of you haven't been there? The first time ever being here. Raise your hand. Give it up for the first timers. It won't be your last. And, 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 right, and right there, that's community right there. That's collaboration right there. People coming here, learning, and want to understand. That's what I was, that's why I wanted to do this tonight. Because I wanted to bring the No Picture Dark community, the tech community, the entrepreneur community together. We have so many great people in this audience. We have these awesome singers up front there that I know them that do amazing jobs. I see a model right there in the front row I know. So I know so many great people in here that we have Baltimore Main Street in the house, in the house which is really cool that being here. So we have a great community of people being here. And that's one of the resounding things. And I want people to understand community and collaboration. So from you guys, for your companies, as you've been an entrepreneur, Doc, <laughs> Tell us a little bit of trial and tribulations you went through as an entrepreneur. Like, you know, where were you just getting, because me and you have done an interview before. We've done an interview tomorrow, and you, and you gave me a good sermon. Give, give the audience a little bit about, you know, your trial and tribulations of being a CEO, being a boss. Oh, well, that's the, I'm going to have to give you the Cliff Notes version of that. Um, what I do want to recognize is that I am a black woman founder. And I say that because one of the things that Jeff said in his introduction is, you know, typical, well, we don't get investment dollars. We get point zero one percent of investment dollars, right? And I knew that coming into this like role as an entrepreneur and I was scared as hell, okay? Starting a company. And not only did I start a company that was really geared to help build generational wealth and black families. I brought my sister along with me who didn't have no experience in entrepreneurship and, and de, like literally invested her money. So I'm like, if I don't give her this girl her money back, she might beat me up, right? And so, but it was also helping her to change her mindset around wealth. She works for the state for the last 20 something. She can actually retire any day now, right? And so it was really important for me to figure out how do I, how can I successfully do this without, with knowing that I'm probably not going to get investment dollars. And, you know, I just kind of use my money wisely. Uh, we started out in a 1200 square foot space and we're now 15,000 square feet. And in 2025, we'll be adding another 25,000 square feet. Is that exclusive? Is that exclusive right there? Is that exclusive? It, it, it kind of is exclusive. Okay, exclusive right there. Okay. <laughs> um, but through that journey, you know, it, it's, it's the, I won't say the process of starting a business or running a business have been, has been hard for me. I have a gift for that. Um, you know how people can do hair and they can do like, they have all this talent. I actually have a talent to understand business, right? And I realized that a few years ago. Um, what, what, what is hard is really knowing that I have people that's dependent on my decisions every single day and how I show up in the world, right? So I can't just go out in this world and do something crazy and, 
I got people that my, their life is dependent on it, right? Like I have one of my staff members here today, right? Like he truly looks up to the work that I do and I gotta make sure that I'm really showcasing that every single day, still being authentic, um, but also showing that black women, like we can do this and we can do this in Baltimore um, because again, they count us out immediately. You black, you from West Baltimore and you a woman, you crazy, like you're supposed to get a government job and just like do the thing. And so for me, it was, it, it, it had, that, that is the, it's the constant of like, I got people that depend on me, even when I want to quit, even when I'm tired, um, even when I want to move to Jupiter because people are crazy. Y'all know I say that a lot on my Instagram. If you follow me, I'm moving to a different planet. Um, but that has been the true like, obstacles as, as I'm growing right and now and I'm going through like I need to raise some capital so black men on this panel <laughs> shameless plug no I'm joking um, but knowing that that is going to be a lot because even as a mother typically tech founders when they go to raise capital they go on a road show right like y'all familiar with that terminology so they can drop everything and they can just go state to state, country to country, and try to raise money. That's not reality for me. I'm a mom of a 13-year-old daughter who's a competitive gymnast. I can't just do that. And so I got to be very strategic in how I maneuver. And then I still got people that depend on me to help them build their businesses because that's what the co-working space is, right? Like it's an incubator. So all of that pressure at one time is a lot. But I'm a black woman. I can do it. And that's the answer to that. Jeff? Um, so just about trials and tribulations. Yeah, as, as entrepreneurs yourself. So, you know, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur for a very long time. So, you know, it, it could be a long story, but I'm not going to make it a long story. I think that um, I've had a bunch of businesses. Some have been successful. Some have failed. Um, but the thing that um, I think makes me the most anxious and or angry right now is that before I started this business, I ran a hedge fund. And it's a little bit different, a little bit different uh, on, on Wall Street. Um, you know, it's a little bit more, not, not as much as they like to make you think, but it's a little bit more of a meritocracy. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're showing numbers, you're going to raise money. So me and two other guys and in the middle of the financial crisis, we raised close to $700 million. And then I came to Baltimore to start a venture capital fund. Now, I've never been in the venture space, and so I've never been in the venture space. I want to talk about um, the, the, the relationship between business and society, how we can make it better, and I want to invest in minority founders, and I'm a black fund manager. It's, it's not the, exactly the same story as Dr. Lucas, but pretty close. People are like, you're crazy, you'll never raise any money. <laughs> and we've raised a, 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 you know, a bit of money, but not nearly as much as we should. It's way harder than it should be based on my experience and my background. It's not the first time I've done this. And you know, I know people who, are, who are, have less experience than me less background on me, less performance, and they go out and they can raise $150 million in a venture fund. I had a guy once tell me, white guy here, tech founder, 
told me that the reason why I wasn't able to raise a larger fund is because I didn't dress well enough. Take that in for a second, right? No, person knew nothing about me. So it's just, if you come from our communities, it's harder than it ought to be. It's always an uphill battle. And the reason why, it, so that alone could make you angry. But then you go around this community, which is coalescing and coming together, and you find great founders who need support and need capital. And we're running out of money, and I'm like, this ain't right. Because I know the money's out there. There are deals that, that we need to, you know, we like to write checks. Deals that need to be made, and we're getting to the point where we're not going to be able to do that anymore, and we should have a lot more money. So it just, I know it sounds like um, sour grapes, but there, again, it's not about me. It's about the founders. And if we don't have the resources, where else are they going to go? Because they're not going to those majority venture funds, because the majority venture funds are looking at them like they're looking at me and Dr. Lucas. So they need us to be successful. The same sort of idea. They need us to be successful. So that's the mo one of the most frustrating things for me. To this day, it still is right now. And Corey, I know you have a story about, uh, you and I talked. Um, his interview's coming out next week. That's a little plug right there of Corey. And um, you talked about, you had a choice to either work in DC or Baltimore. And you decided Baltimore. Ta take us through that. Yeah, so, you know, for me, um, I, I can relate to Tamira because I've been a, 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 a homemaker before. I was home with our kids, um, conceived out of love, not what the, the, <laughs> not what the comedian said. <laughs> um, he ain't right. He ain't, he ain't right. I'm telling so, you. I'll see you, know, you know, so what people would describe as like a stay-at-home dad. So I, I understand the struggles of trying to start a career, um, support a family, uh, and do that um, now as a single dad as well. So, you know, I had an opportunity to join a tech company. My background is in tech. The first tech company I worked for was a, a big tech company um, that supported nonprofits in, in, in their fundraising and, and missions. And then I worked in a startup ecosystem in Indianapolis, Raleigh-Durham, um, and now here in Baltimore, but I had a decision to join a startup that was based out of DC, actually a really good one um, that was selling to social movements and, and political campaigns that, that supported sort of social um, candidates. And, and then I got the opportunity to join Upsurge and my commitment, my home, I'm moving my parents here, I'm raising my kids here is to Baltimore, so the idea of hopping on a train every day and, and running down to DC just wasn't really appealing to me. Um, I'm originally from North Carolina, my dad's from Philly, um, and being in Baltimore gives me sort of the best of those two worlds. I told my dad, Baltimore's like a town trying to become a city or a, a city with town folks in it. Everybody and their mama are either from North Carolina or they're people from North Carolina. So it, it feels very much like home to me, so my commitment is here. Um, and to your previous question, I would say the thing that I, I won't say struggle with, the thing that I find to be the biggest challenge to, to overcome is, is the more I learn about the opportunities that we have to build and grow here, the more I see 
um, people that can influence that and different stakeholder groups that can have a, a, a big impact if they only knew about what was happening, if they were only aware of the opportunity or if they only were connecting the dots between what's happening at Coppin and Tedco and Conscious Venture Labs and Novella and the work that we're doing at Upsurge. So uh, for me, it's like understanding where all those levers are. Like I just spent the day down in Annapolis. I'll be there the, the, tomorrow and, and Thursday as well. I didn't spend one day in Annapolis before this job. I didn't think about how government and, and legislation can help move this forward. All I thought about was the innovators, the creators, the folks that were doing it, uh, then the investors, then the support organizations, then the workforce development. So it's been that layered sort of, okay, that, that can bleed into this. This can really help support that. These folks need to know about this so that they can put legislation in place that keeps those folks here, that encourages them to grow their businesses in the city and in the MSA and, and, and not take it somewhere else. So for me, that challenge is like, how do I start to understand that full landscape and pull the people into it that really need to be participating in part of that activity? So that's the part that I struggle with the most, but the biggest opportunity I see for, for Baltimore to really win. I like that you talked about going to Annapolis because you guys are both in Annapolis mm -hmm. uh, doing whatever you guys are doing. And I always tell people, they're like, why is no picture dark? Annapolis. Why, why is he going to these conferences in Ocean City? That's where the money's at, folks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you're like, he's at a conference. He's doing Mako. He's at MML. Mm -hmm. I was one of the first podcasts to do a live show at a huge conference over Runa Miller, Lieutenant Governor, the mayor, under the, under the stars at nighttime at Mako. And they had me come back this year again in MML again this year in Ocean City because these people were like, I will throw you a couple thousand, not even flinch, because they know what we're doing here. And they're like, you represent Baltimore. We want Baltimore here. And just being with you guys, I know you guys were on down there. Tell us a little bit behind the scenes about going down to Annapolis and, you know. <laughs> so y'all know I wear many hats. No. <laughs> Um, today was Coppin' Day in Annapolis, and honestly, this was like one of the first times like being in, in Annapolis doing the session. And I'll say this, if you, you, need, you all need to go to Annapolis and really listen to how policy um, is flowing in our, in our state, right, and how decisions are actually being made. I actually had a random conversation um, with one of the senators about about work in the correction system, right? And like, this was very random. And I learned so much. I'm like, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole and figure out so we can work on some policy to change the things for next session. And so it, Corey is absolutely right. This is where the decisions are being made, um, how the money is actually flowing in our state. And it takes everyone to go down and represent and talk and testify um, on things that are super important to make the positive changes and really understand how government actually works. Like we don't have um, Schoolhouse Rock no more, like I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill to teach. Seriously, like my daughter has no clue, like she's gonna be out in this world just not knowing like how the government actually work because this is not what they're teaching us in school. 
and how it actually impacts the work that we're doing individually. I don't care if you are an artist, a musician, an entrepreneur, if you even work for the government, you need to understand how decisions are being made and how it actually impacts you. When I'm asking my students these things, they're like, what? really that's how I get like that's how I get scholarships duh so you know talking really kind of understanding that is important like if they make if they vote no on this this is what's going to happen right and so it's really important for us to understand that and so today I represented Coppin and talked about all of the work that we're doing how our new business school if you haven't been on the campus of Coppin State University we have a new brand new building for our business school that I'm super proud of as an entrepreneurship center in the school. Um, and we're gonna be doing a lot more community work. I actually hold my Techco office hours at Coppin. Again, shameless plug for both of them. Um, and so make sure that you, you, know, you are on our campus and know all of the work that we're doing. You hear a lot about the other HBCU that I will not name out loud um, in East Baltimore. But come on, come on. You know I'm northeast. You know I'm northeast. Come right. on. Northeast in the house. Northeast in the house. Come on now. All right, you already know what it is. Anyway, so <laughs> just know that we're doing some great work in West Baltimore as well. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap this up in a big bow. What do you guys want people to walk away with the message today that you guys have been talking about? What do you guys want to walk away, people walk away with? And how can they find you guys if they want to have a conversation or coffee? Um, so, um, you can find me if you have LinkedIn, Jeff Cherry on LinkedIn. If not, uh, my email, jcherry at cvpartners.vc. Say one more time, jcherry at cvpartners.vc. And the other way you can find me is find Corey, find Dr. Lucas, because they can, they can direct it to me. So, lots of connections here. And I think um, if, if, what, what would I like you to walk away with is that this is, um, over the next five to 10 years, Baltimore is gonna be on fire. It's gonna be on a renaissance. This is the place where you wanna be, you wanna build these businesses, and if you got an idea, um, and if you uh, wanna bring that idea to life, there ain't no better place to do it in Baltimore um, and just make it happen right here. So I'll, I'll echo what Jeff said. If you want to connect with me, uh, find me on LinkedIn, Corey Bailey, Corey with a K. Um, please do follow Upsurge, at Upsurge Be More um, on Twitter, X, whatever it's called now, and, and Instagram. Um, sign up for our newsletter. We do some great information about the tech companies that are growing here and the different projects and programs that are available to you. Um, I, I think my message, Aaron, would be that um, Baltimore doesn't get everything right, but what you see in this room and what you see up here on the stage and the spirit in which we are coming into this collaborative mindset, this culture that we're building of belonging in tech, um, it's growing, the, the momentum is there. Jeff said we're gonna be on fire. I think we, that, you know, Baltimore is gonna be a juggernaut in the next three, five, 10 years. Um, get in now, if you have an idea, don't put it in your back pocket. Figure out how to get it to market, figure out how to socialize it in the community. The community will let you know if it's good or bad. 
They'll give the, like I said, the community will let you know. Baltimore, Tamira calls it one of the last authentic cities in the United States. So you're gonna get to yes or no quicker here than, than you would some other place. The trick is to get to enough yeses where you finally feel like, I've got it, I'm ready, I'm gonna put it in front of Jeff, He's, it's gonna be undeniable, he's gonna fund it. So that's the culture that we're trying to create here. Full transparency, get to yes faster, find one of us to get to one of us, um, and we continue to grow from there. But I, I say Baltimore is a tech hub, and we are on our way to becoming the first Equitech city in the world. That's funny, because honestly, if you can make it in Baltimore, you can make it anywhere. Like, seriously, like, I'm glad you said that. But you can follow me on Instagram at the business dr, the business doctor. Um, also, I'm on LinkedIn, so definitely connect, um, connect in, on LinkedIn. Um, what I want you all to know is, first of all, Usher chose Baltimore to come to, so you know we popping. But uh, <laughs> I want you to know that for all the women in the room, um, I want you all to know that any table that I am at, any seat that I'm sitting in, that you can truly trust that I'm representing and advocating for you all, okay? I typically find myself a lot the only woman in certain places, and I'm okay with that um, because my mouth is super big. And so it's great. I want you all to feel confident that if you know Dr. Samira Lucas is in that room, is at that table, that she's advocating for us and she's going to bring something back to us as well. And so I do want you to have that sense of hope like, all right, I'm cool. She got it. I'm going to get what I need. And I agree with Dr. Lucas because uh, I, <laughs> the Grant Whisper is in the room. She knows what I'm talking about. And she was like, oh, I work with Dr. T. I'm like, oh, if you work, if you work with her, I got to work with you. And she actually helped me write my grant. For Shout out to Angie. Angie. Angie's back there. I see her. She helped me write a grant to win a Comcast Rise winner. And I was one of the few, like a good 100 people who won the Comcast Rise. It was a $5,000 award. So thank you for that. But it's just one of those things where it's a community. And once I knew that, she knew, I was like, golden, we'll make it happen. So it's one big community. Thank you guys for coming out this evening. The DJ about to play some music so you can just maybe cut a rug, whatever you want to do. There's some libations back there. Thank you, Sagamore Spirit. Thank you, Lobo 1707. Thank you, Union, Union for everything, Union Brewery. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Love, peace, we're out.